0: welcome to into the wormhole i'm lauren
1: miss lowen if you're nasty and with me <laughs> <you> is captain <laughs> larissa maestro or larissa maestro if you're nasty <laughs> or not nasty <laughs>
0: if you're just polite and formal, or if you're
1: just nice do you just call me larissa no matter who you are <laughs> <laughs> it's like that uh those memes, the LinkedIn, uh, Tinder, Facebook, Instagram ah. memes, and it's Tuvok, and it's all the same picture. Nice. That's same. <laughs> yeah, that's Larissa. yeah
0: So we are going to talk about the the first part of Lower Decks. Uh, this is the new animated show on CBS. Not to be confused with the Lower Decks that we talked about with TNG season, was that season six or season six. seven? Six. Six, six, I think it's season six? six. Yeah, not to be confused with that. We do have a yeah. previous episode where we reviewed that TNG episode and then also talked a little bit about the animated lower decks trailer that had just come out. Yeah, um, so this will be fun. We've actually, I think, I've seen episode one through four. Larissa, have you seen the whole thing? No, I haven't seen the whole thing.
1: What are you up I'm. I haven't seen the last two of the season.
0: Okay, but there's only 10 episodes, Yeah, you're up to eight. Yeah. Okay, Um, so so this review, though, we're just going to talk about episode one through
1: three? Oh, wait, no. Yeah, and we can talk about episode four a little bit. Like, whatever you've seen, I'm happy to talk about. Okay, we'll just see where it goes. Yeah, we're just going to see where it goes. We're just going to talk about Lower Decks. It's exciting to talk about a new Star Trek show. This is the second new Star Trek series we have discussed on the pod. Um, and in the future, I mean, discovery season three just came out, um, which is pretty exciting. So we'll, we'll get to that at some point, you know, all this stuff is up to stream. So we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We'll get, we'll get there. And Lauren's going to be going on maternity leave. So, It'll be a minute before we get to those shows, but that's fine. It's not like they're going anywhere. They're out, and they're now in the ether, and you can find them and whatever. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about this, because yeah. this, is so, this is so different as far as Star Trek goes. This is yeah. uh, this show is um, created by... Uh, Mike McMahon, who is involved in Rick and Morty. Uh, Yes. Is he a co-creator of Rick and Morty or was he a writer on Rick and Morty? I want to say he's heavily involved, but not one of the creators. Yeah. He's a writer and a producer for Rick and Morty. Um, And he's also uh, the creator of that uh, animated show, Solar Opposites.
0: Oh, OK. Yeah.
1: Okay. Which totally makes sense to me. I've seen a couple of episodes of that show. Um, So this guy is a huge nerd. And he also
0: has a history. <laughs> yeah. I think if you're looking at his credits, he's been in, uh, involved in like Axe Cop, even some South Park things. That so, totally checks out. So yeah. OK. Yeah. So definitely that adult animation vibe. He's part of that world.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But if you're making an animated Star Trek show, I, f- I feel like <laughs> already the animated series is like deeper for some people. Like most, I mean, I, I know a lot of like really committed Star Trek fans who have not seen the animated series. I've um, seen
0: maybe moments of the animated series. You can, yeah. count, you can count me. I forget about it. The yeah. Yes,
1: that's what people call it. So I feel like if you are um if your goal is to make a new Star Trek animated series, like you're probably really really deep in the fandom. I mean, I'm just using that as like a barometer for like how nerdy um or I I, I was using that um as a barometer for how nerdy I thought the show was going to be. Um and I feel like I was right. <laughs> it is. Okay. It is very like one of the things I noticed immediately was just I mean even just in the cold open of the first episode and then seeing the intro credits sequence for the first time I was like oh, okay we are we're nerding out this is just <laughs> I was it- like I was like how many references to shit is there like even in the um, theme music itself, like there's part of it that sounds like it's pulled from the theme for for First Contact, the movie. Um, the the fact that they did, um, that they used the uh, TNG font in the yeah. the opening credits, the fact that it's it's a um an orchestral theme, the the way that um that calls back to the the Star Trek of the '90s. I mean, it's all very it's all very reverential, while while at the same time, um, it's reverential, it's nerdy, but occasionally it's like, um, making fun of itself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you it's know? definitely satire. Yeah. Which, which I yeah. think it's
0: safe to say going back to the original, the original like TAS, the animated series that had Spock hurt and bones. Um, my, my one memory is seeing Spock, I think writing a source. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's my, my lasting impression. I think it's safe to say though that w- that animated show was never meant to be a satire, correct? No, it was not. Yeah. That, it, that was that was, definitely was supposed more to be a continuation. Forward. Yes. Okay, just for the record.
1: Yeah. It was supposed to be a continuation of the original series in which they were able to do more crazy stuff because they didn't have to pay for sets and they didn't yeah. have to pay for makeup and things like that. Like it was a way for them to after they got canceled, um a way for them to continue making the show. Uh, so it, it really just it really kind of does feel like the original series <laughs> in a lot of okay. ways, because they, they do have the entire original series cast back as voices, too. So it might have been Nimoy that was like, I'm not doing it unless you get everyone. And then they got everyone and he was like, oh, OK, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> damn it. I have to play with Spock again. OK, I guess I'm going to be <laughs> Spock for the rest of my life. <laughs> And there was much uh, rejoicing. And there was Yay. much rejoicing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like that. Those are my feelings about the, the like the intro. Those were my f- sort of first impressions of the show. There are so many tiny references and like fandom specific jokes. Just it's it's overwhelming how many there are. Like I started trying to count them and then I was like why would I be why would I do that like it's just it's <laughs> there are so many just well and I think everywhere. two
0: two things on that one is that you noted
1: in Picard
0: which we also reviewed that sometimes those moments got a little heavy and distracting yeah. um and then also they, yeah I think- they, they,
1: they like put a lot of weight on those moments Mm-mm. in Picard. True. Like they, like, they, like, spent, they, because Picard's also slower, they would, like, stop and, like, look at that moment together for a while and be like, look, <laughs> do you see this moment? Do you see this moment that, that calls back to other moments that you enjoy? Isn't it nice? And we're <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Are we going to do the n- new story? Are we going to know about the new story? Uh, we know about this already.
0: <laughs> gotcha. This no, is that's like, good
1: yeah but this is like oh my god how many how many times how many little things whoa 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 what did you just say did you just say something about exocomps (laughs) did you just say something about like it's just so many times somebody's like oh is that a statue of miles o'brien yes uh
0: and that's a real thing that just happened we'll probably get there uh
1: because
0: i'll say also an interesting thing that happened was you and I watched it and Keith I watched it with Keith and you watched it with Dan and our significant others have watched Star Trek before but I I think they don't really qualify themselves as big fans yeah no you know <laughs> um I think for us and I'm sure for you that also became an interesting experiment to see what happened when you put the show in front of somebody who is very much in that Star Trek fandom and can pick up on all those eggs and then people who may not uh viewers who may be either more casual star trek viewers or unaware of those references at all and just see the different effects the show had on each viewer
1: yeah yeah exactly because like, dan,
0: dan did watch this with you right
1: yes he did okay he watched this with me and he enjoyed it he was like that was fun um, also, he was like, "There is so much talking." <laughs> oh yes,
0: <laughs> rapid fire
1: talking. We'll get to that.
0: Yeah, uh, but yeah, but Pete like has- he
1: enjoyed it without without all of the the Easter eggs, like you said. Like he enjoyed it without realizing that uh, Ensign Tendi is an Orion. Like he wouldn't he wouldn't get the Janeway maneuver reference, you know. Like he wouldn't get any of that. St- and th- there are some pretty serious references that are like you would not if you don't get this entire joke. <laughs> you know, like it's just going to be a a moment like it it'll it would still be fun maybe to watch but like there's a whole joke in there. That's sure. a reference to an entire other series of Star Trek cuz there's so much material to draw from to joke on.
0: And some of it too is Ah, like references or satires on things that are very much star trek but also just sci-fi things in general so mm-hmm. i i think that's one thing we'll we'll discuss as well is the fact that even if you don't get the particular reference um you still understand those kind of tropes or cliches or things because you've seen them in other things you see them in firefly or star wars or uh you know you've seen them in um futurama or rick and morty or something like that just kind of things that we appreciate from different other medias that deal with similar things
1: yeah and it's also sort of a testament to the far reaches of star trek um in the genre that like as in the genre of sci-fi like star trek is is a massive beast of influence so uh, when when a Star Trek reference is is thrown out there, it's probably been done by other sci-fi at some point because of the massiveness of the franchise. Yeah, you know? yeah. And,
0: and those balls have been sort of bounced back and forth, so to speak, to other entities out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, do you want to talk about the cast real quick? Yeah, Before yeah. Before we get into the, talking about It'll probably about be specific-
0: a, a muddling of cast and characters, right? <laughs> yes,
1: yes absolutely just because like uh we we had brought up in our lower decks episode where we reviewed the trailer um we talked a little bit about um sort of the reckoning that had been happening in animation with uh racial equity and representation uh in among voice casts in animated shows and movies and um talked about what we hoped for this one because we didn't quite know yet what was going to happen with this voice cast. So, uh there are from what I see in the main cast, there are 3 people of color. And that's very exciting. Um there are also 3 white people, too. So, it's like, you know, half and half. Of those people of color, 2 of them are black. And one of them is Filipino. Yes, and I see I, your
0: notes. You're very excited about that.
1: Because we don't get that much representation, you guys. <laughs> like, if there's Asian representation, it's usually East Asia. Um, like, it, you know, it's usually China, Japan, Korea. That's for real. <laughs> and and uh, Pacific Islanders. Southeast Asians, we don't really get that much uh, screen time, like ever. You
0: kind of get lumped into like Asian miscellaneous. Let's be honest, which is it's yeah. wah wah.
1: Yeah, you're totally right about that, a hundred percent. Um, even though Filipinos are like the largest immigrant community, w- w- the largest Asian immigrant community in the United States. Really? Um, yeah. So it's. Because because the Philippines was an American colony, um, yes. So there was there was a there was a lot of freedom of movement from the Philippines to the United States for a long time until the Philippines got its independence, and then uh, the U.S. got mad and tried to kick all the Filipinos that were in the United States out. Uh, that's a whole other story. That's some history wah, story. Wow, wow, but this guy Eugene Cordero, I was like. I know this guy. Where do I know him from? And then I looked it up, and he's Pillboy on the Good Place, which is one of the other shows that I've seen that has a Filipino main character. <laughs> it's as far as shows that have been on TV in the past few years, main character wise, there are only a couple shows that have featured Filipino actors. In their main character casts and one of them is superstore uh there's an actor named nico santos and he plays a filipino uh character on the show uh and the other one is the good place and that's manny jacinto and he plays a a filipino american guy uh from florida (laughs) Uh, if you've seen the good place like you know jason I just realized too he is because I've seen yep. the good
0: place, but it's Ben. It's Ben a minute. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah. Oh, who is Pillboy
1: again? And yeah,
0: he's Jason. He's
1: Jason's goofy friend. Other half. This this guy was really funny. Like that's the only other thing I know him from. And I was just like excited to see a Filipino get work first of all, and then second of all, like to see only the second Filipino that I know of on Star Trek. You know, like that's that's so cool, and it's two new shows. You know, the two new shows that we have talked about on this podcast have Filipino actors in the main cast. And, like, finally. Yay! And also, um, Ensign uh, Rutherford is, like, my favorite.
0: <laughs> Should we assume... Now, I'm uh, curious from, like, uh... Because we did talk about that. We did talk about yeah. how kind of the, the face behind the character and We Had Two Black Females, their voice actors are two black females, um... We also, we also did kind of talk about the fact that there was, um, you know, two alien characters who were voiced by white uh, cast members and how maybe those, those, you know, alien characters could be could be ca- played by anyone. Um, Literally so, could be played by anyone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in this case, though, with Rutherford, the character who was confirmed in episode one to be a cyborg, I remember us talking about it. We didn't know if he just had a special visor. But that's pretty yeah. much like the first scene with him is that they establish he has this new cyborg tech on him. Um, and, of course, it's kind of malfunctioning, which is cute. Um, yeah. So do you do you do you think it's safe to say that his
1: character is supposed to be Filipino as well? I mean, he's brown like he's okay. drawn brown, um, which I appreciate. Um, but like it's since it's Star Trek, they're not making a point to, to talk call it about out. Right. To talk about that. It's just like. He's here. He is. He's brown, and he's uh, an ensign on this ship, but like it doesn't, it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't be, have to be a thing. Just this, sure. just for the same way that they're not like specifically talking about uh, Tawny Newsom's character is black, like because she's just black. Yeah, or you we know, even yeah. talked about
0: how like with O'Brien and Keiko in the nineties, they never yeah. were like look at this. Look at this! We have an interracial couple. <laughs> Look, you know, it was just like, yeah, it's
1: we got one. It's
0: just there, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. so no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, and I appreciate that. Um, it was fun to find out. Um, I I enjoyed the little moment I had where I was like, oh, he's it's Eugene Cordero. He's Filipino. Oh. Like I was, it was like, yay. And like, who knows? Maybe they'll do something with it in the future, but like, maybe they won't. And that's fine. I'm just excited that there's a Filipino, a ex actor on this cast. Like that's, that's cool. But also, you know, there are, there are still, I don't know. There, I'm just like, (laughs) you could have a little harder, but it's, but it's still, they, I think they still did a, a pretty good job, and I do like the performances of everyone. So that's the important thing as well. Yeah. Um, I, I do think Noel Wells works very well for this character. I mean, Jerry O'Connell is kind of an obvious choice for his character, but I think that's a that's supposed to be sort of ironic. You know what I mean? Um, so that's fine. Uh oh side note he's re- he's married to Rebecca Romaine who plays number 1 on Discovery and and then um will play number 1 again on Strange New Worlds and uh, apparently they have arguments about who's the better number 1 <laughs> uh, Nice <laughs> I think it was like I I watched a uh, a panel from uh the the recent cons but it was it was cute. I was like, oh, holy shit. They're married like weird, weird that there's there's a married couple. that. Oh, are did both- you not know that? I did not
0: know. that. Oh, yeah. Well, it's and it's interesting, too, because. Yeah, w- there's a little bit of a Star Trek connection there. And I, I agree. I think just right off the bat, I will say the voice acting, I think, really works well. The characters. Um mm-hmm. I think everyone is doing a great job. And they're talented. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, not to skip around too much, but to that point, for instance, Jerry O'Connell is married to Rebecca Roe. Is it Romaine? No. Yeah. Yeah. It it's so yeah. weird seeing it spelled. I know. Um, I know. So Jack Quaid plays uh Bradward B- Boimler. That's <laughs> Boimler. I think I haven't <laughs> s- since Flocks. like I haven't had that kind of like oh, uh, marbles oh, in love my love mouth that. moment. Uh this this was something that we talked about. It had to get edited out for time when we talked about the trailer. Jack Quaid, if you feel like maybe there's a connection between him and Dennis Quaid. There is. He is Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan's son. Mm-hmm. Um he right now is on The Boys, um, which is available on Amazon Prime. It's another satirical show, very dark, about superheroes. And he plays a very everyday, kinda dopey boyish. Person who is fully capable, but obviously in over their heads with the the world they've been introduced to, kind of the CD underworld. So uh and we talked about how Sam Lavelle in the TNG episode needed more of a kind of boyish, almost Michael J. Fox. I remember you said that, Larissa. Yeah. Person yeah. someone a little bit more dopey and dweeby. And I was Yeah, say, I was like, I don't
1: believe that you have any problems. <laughs> I would say that Jack
0: Quaid, <laughs> if he was casted in that episode, would be perfect. Like, Because I've seen episodes of The Boys, um, yeah. not everyone, but when I do, he fits that that template we have decided would work for a Lavelle character perfectly. Yeah, um, And then him just bringing his voice acting to this, um, he also does it here. Uh, what is also interesting is that on The Boys, though, that is Simon Pegg and that is also oh. the oh, they, who's the new bones is that carl carl urban
1: urban okay Ooh, was, be still my heart carl urban
0: so so i but it's interesting because he also has some like star trek connections there too
1: oh yeah absolutely yeah um but uh
0: he's another one who it just makes you wonder if there's ever conversation when they're on set like yeah you want to be on the show
1: yeah um, right right but, but he does an awesome <laughs> job
0: so yeah. it's not just like they're throwing it at him he yeah. maybe had a a nice way to audition but he's um, like you
1: want to step out of the kelvin timeline <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he does uh jack quaid does a great job of playing this character who we kind of thought would be a Lavelle from from the the live action tng episode we we kind of pinned him as that character mm-hmm. and he is he is like the over kind of neurotic um young yeah. go-getter
1: yeah, yeah but who ha- he's like he's like Lavelle and um, Barclay in one okay you know what i mean cuz he's like he's like so studied and calculated and he loves the like loves the rules so much and is just like so into uh, the information that he has never applied it to actual life and has no idea how real things work. Like he loves the safety of rules and he loves the 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 safety of like always knowing what's going to happen. Like that's his favorite thing. But that is not what Starfleet is. Yeah, so he's um, a
0: perfect foil to uh Beckett Mariner who is the the yeah. main character even though it's an ensemble cast. She's definitely marketed as the main character and you have Um, Boimler, who is, yes, like he's read everything, he knows everything, he thinks is fully prepared. And Mariner in the first episode points out that she may be kind of not as enthusiastic as him and a little rough around the edges, but she has the benefit of experience,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And she's and she's definitely way, way more into just like having a good time and. doing whatever she wants and I love that um, I think Tani Newsom does a great job here the timbre of her voice works really well for this character as well I didn't really until I looked her up I didn't really know much about her and then I realized she was on Space Force I watched Space Force a couple times and I was like this show is not very good um, but she was good on it I do have a question about Beckett Mariner and I'm mm-hmm.
0: curious because okay so just to give catch the listener up um, you know, Beckett Mariner is on the ship and she definitely is sort of Oh, the, the ship is the
1: Cerritos, by the way. Yes,
0: thank you. Yes. I always want to call it the Dorito or yes. the Yes. Like completely different. Liked,
1: um The USS Doritos. <laughs> the which, USS so, Cool Ranch Doritos.
0: We find out very early on in the first episode that this ship it doesn't deal with first contact, it deals with second contact, which definitely <laughs> It's like, uh, that's fun. They have to deal with all the boring follow-up administration stuff after the yep. more um, highly acclaimed ships roll through and do first contact. So they're there to kind of do all the, the administrative paperwork stuff. Um And on the ship, we're introduced to Beckett Mariner. She is definitely a little bit of a Star Trek misfit. And then we have the three other Lower Decks character who are all kind of the the go-getters of the crew. Uh, people pleasers and and very ambitious and my question is the main character of Lower Decks who is Mariner we find out I kind of called it from the beginning we find out the captain Carol Freeman is her mom Mm -hmm. and so her mom is very much aware that her daughter is sort of an underperformer in uh, Starfleet and is trying to keep tabs on her And something that I thought about after the first episode is that, is that character supposed to be, in a way, a spoof of the main character from Discovery? Because we have another leading black actress who is sort of seen as a Starfleet misfit who maybe cannot be 100% trusted and always has uh, someone watching her over her shoulder, Or is that a coincidence? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Oh, interesting. I hadn't thought of that before. Hmm. Like, she's supposed to be a a funny Michael Burnham? I don't know. (laughs) It it might
0: just be pure coincidence. But part of me was like, oh, so again, we have, like, two leading black female characters that are the, you know, Starfleet underachievers?
1: Yeah.
0: I don't want to say, I don't, I'm not 100% familiar with discovery so this is something that i i was interested to pitch at you and see what your yeah. reaction
1: was um i mean i wouldn't call michael burnham an underachiever i mean i think misfit probably yeah 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 to- she's totally a misfit because she's she's uh like she's in in the same in sort of a similar way um or or one similarity i guess you could you could uh point out between uh Mariner and Burnham is that they're both willing to break the rules to get the job done and those are that's one of the reasons why they get in trouble like that is the reason why Burnham is Uh, court-martialed I feel like Mariner alludes to being (laughs) court-martialed like like she she keeps just getting either demoted or
0: slopped around to various assignments and ships and they don't work out. It's yeah. the equivalent of like the high school student who keeps getting expelled. And then like she's been to five different schools in four years. And
1: yes, I mean, Mariner feels like she just has like a severe distaste for authority. And uh, that is like literally I, like I like that that's been written into her character because it's sort of what it does is. Satirizes the entire uh, concept of a hierarchical uh, military-style system like the Federation, where everything is very rigid as far as rank and uh, as far as like uh, people having uh, control over over other crew members and being able to order them to do things or not to do things. Um, And and, in in a way, it's interesting to to uh, see. see a character like this existing within that framework because it makes me think about how systems like that they sort of work against the whole concept of, of of this future utopia where everyone has freedom and can do whatever they want and and be whoever they want um just just that that uh that construct itself so i i enjoy that there's that um that, that sort of deeper element of exploration in this show, because that's a very Star Trek thing to do is to like, look at, at itself and be like, am, am, is this what we should be doing, you know, to, to really be introspective. Um, but also to do it in this new, very modern way, which is through humor instead of through, uh, a lot of people talking to each other slowly and quietly in a conference room. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: well it's funny it touches upon everything from uh damon uh saying in our our crossover episode about competency porn and kind of making fun of that like what happens when you get a character who would rather have margaritas you know than (laughs) just get going to the next job yeah yeah, yeah, but also like we have seen that like janeway is willing to break rules Uh, yes tom paris absolutely you know, is definitely somebody who's not exactly what you would call quote unquote Starfleet material when yep. we first meet him. And you even have a bunch of Maquis who are just like, all right, you're Starfleet crew. Yes, and absolutely. So I, I've seen some complaints. That, I mean, like, in the pale
1: moonlight. This- Think about oh, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah in yeah, the yeah. pale moonlight. Yeah, yeah, and then, like, uh, I mean, Kira was a terrorist. You know, and she breaks the rules all the time too. So you have, I mean, th- this has existed before, but not in this, yes. not quite in this, st- in, not in this style and is what I'm not, saying.
0: Like you said, there's, there's like a heavy stylistic reference. And I think even the time period, if I remember, uh, of like, uh, it's definitely meant to be very TNG. Yes. You know? Yes. And TNG was still very much about that, where for the, yeah. you know, everyone gets along and the conflict comes from Starfleet dealing with, um, outside entities or trying to sort of deal with those outside entities having friction with each other so that's where a lot of the humor comes from in the
1: crew yeah the conflict is not on the enterprise the conflict is the enterprise and whatever else is out there
0: yeah and given the fact that the nature of the show the animated that we know the backgrounds of the creators and stuff I mean, you you need that foil, right? Mm-hmm. Like you you need you need Mariner to be sort of the outsider in this case, and yeah. for Boimler to be her harsh foil. That's where you're going to get a lot of this conflict and humor.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I also um I also wrote in my notes that um these four main characters, like in in a way, like feel like they could be representing different types of people within the fandom, different types of fans. That like there are some people who love watching Star Trek for the rules and the regulations. They wa- they love watching Star Trek for how how organized it is and how how clean and how like how there's a regulation for everything and it's beautiful. Like everyone knows how, what to do. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to think about what you're gonna wear that day. You just put on your uniform. It's beautiful. You know, like like that kind like a of well oiled machine. Exactly. Is and this you? No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but there are some people who are like this is an adventure show you know like i watch this for the adventure element for the the exploration um and that's the that's the exciting thing for me and like i, f- I feel like uh i'm that way i don't think i would be as reckless as as a mariner but like i'm i relate to that I I relate to that like um, sort of having a um, a, I mean not hatred for authority but like questioning authority regularly uh, an affinity for for that and and the idea that like the whole point of the show is to like to seek out new life that's the thing the prime directive isn't the thing it's the (laughs) you know what I mean It's like like Jack Quaid's character is like the but the prime directive you know what I mean. So, yes,
0: he's memorized every protocol and rule and guidebook and tech manual out there. Yes.
1: Yes. And then Rutherford is like, like nerding out on the tech, you know, which there are lots of fans who like take elements of each of these characters. But like fans who are just like, oh, man, transporters and the holodeck and the warp core. Like, yes, like we want these things and that's like the exciting thing is to like see all the cool tech and the the that kind of shit um so i've i've it's i was thinking I mean, that's probably not what they were doing <laughs> but but i was like I, this feels like it could be you know
0: yeah because i i feel like uh you know boimler and mariner are the hard foil and and then as far as well to some degree boimler tendy and Rutherford, for me, again, I'm I'm in the beginning half, mm-hmm. and they're only 20-minute episodes. They're short, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're short. Uh, I would say right now, obviously, Mariner has a very strong personality because of her traits and what she's supposed to serve in the show. The other three, although I can start to see little um, kind of quirks and individual things about them, for the m- most part, though, they to me, feel like they're kind kind of the same character. Like I said, they are, they are the overachieving, people pleaser, like, so happy to be here, um, lower deck crew. So it's fun yeah. to hear your perspective of some of those, like, minute things that I hope get yeah. explored a, a little bit more in the season as I roll along and catch up to you where you are.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like with, especially with Rutherford, we get that a little bit um a little bit more in the second episode so we get we get more of an idea of who this character is because first of all he's like rearranging his entire life to like hang out with Ensign Tendi. <laughs> but also we get we get to know that like really his thing is that he just really loves engineering <laughs> a lot like he just loves it and it's not because he's He's not really interested. He doesn't really care about like ranking up or like impressing people. you know, like those aren't things that are they're really on his mind. He's just like, I really like want to like crawl around in a Jeffreys tube and it's so cute. uh it's so like sweet because like that's really as far as I'm concerned, like that's one of the uh the things about the Federation and about Star Trek that's so attractive to me is this idea that you can just you can like really just like follow your own inspiration and really or you follow your follow your heart you know what I'm saying like you can just like do what makes you happy and yeah (laughs) every time he wants to switch directions everyone's like totally supportive of him (laughs) completely supportive and they're like do whatever makes you happy you gotta do what you want to do man like great we're so excited for you it's like that first of all that is that is like hilarious because it's definitely making fun of TNG and and second of all, it's it makes me feel good in my heart, and you know how I like to feel good in my heart about things. That that entire that entire uh story setup was wonderful, and then like like watching him like really realize that the thing that he loves the most is just to like crawl around in a dark Jeffries tube and fix things is so fucking funny, and the um, fact that in the end his his
0: friends are okay with it too. Um, oh yeah 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 uh yeah well and it's funny because i I agree with that i had a hard time really picking out major differences because if i had to describe boimler attendee and rutherford in the first three seasons i mean the first three episodes we have storylines that basically paint them as people pleasers yes and 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 within slightly different tones
1: yes but but
0: that to me felt a little like uh, I, i guess repetitive yeah 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 um, definitely i mean i would were... i would
1: say that like Boimler is def is very obviously in the first few episodes the most neurotic of the three of them, yes, um, he's the most like freaked out and and worried about what other people think of him than than the other two are um but I mean that's about it they're they're all like trying to be really good, they're all just really excited to be there you know they're they're yeah. very they're very uh, green and and uh, um, wanting to prove themselves and yes. uh,
0: fit in and impress their commanding officers. I would say Boimler. Boimler wants to impress people because he wants to get promoted. Um, yeah. Tendi he has a very to- like,
1: like n- sort of. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He has a very sort of. Um, uh, like now kind of. uh idea of of success and moving forward like like a a very current sort of sort of very yeah like 2020 yeah yeah you
0: get the job you do the job well you get promoted you climb the ladder yeah
1: yeah like or or in in a way like a very like 1950s sort of sort of view of of what success is like just yeah you work really hard you you put your head down you follow all the rules and and You'll get promoted and everything and will be great. And this is the way the world works. Yeah, this is the way of the of. entire world works. And you yeah. don't need to know anything else. Yes.
0: So Boimler is very, uh, yeah, he, he has a very particular view of why he's trying to make certain people happy. Uh, Tendi, one episode, she accidentally messes up somebody's ascension ceremony. Oh, yes. they the, pissed at four. her. So she has a similar, you know, we, we understand she's a people pleaser. Uh, and she even says at the end, she's just like, "I need everyone to like me." Yeah, um, and that's more of a comes from a place of maybe more insecurity uh, and social uh, wants,
1: and then Rutherford. I mean, we have to also pleaser. remember that uh, Tendy is an Orion, also. So, like, they've got like a history with the Federation of being thieves and manipulative, being manipulative and being uh untrustworthy and shit like that. Like, I mean, remember original series, she's, remember the Orion slave girl. Oh yeah. Original yeah. series. So for all, for all y'all, like this is, she, they're basically, and I love this about, about uh, choosing, for her to be Orion. Uh they're trying to take back that very sexist trope that was <laughs> that was used in TOS. Um and then again on Enterprise I feel like too.
0: And, and the um movies with you know the the remakes. Oh remember, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the dorm J- room The yeah, Abrams the-
1: universe. Yeah. Oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. Um <laughs> uh they're taking that taking this this uh species and taking back the the idea of of they're all just like sexy uh thieves (laughs) basically which i'm sure untrustworthy sexy thieves (laughs) uh and and like and turning it all the way around and making her like a very nerdy very sweet people pleaser and I, I, I understand if you take into account the the history of her species that she would feel like she has to take on this entire idea of or all, all of all of this like potential um, uh, bias that the Federation might have toward her species, especially considering like how the Federation acts towards Romulans and shit like that, you know. So like uh, and then take that on her shoulders to to like try to. Make sure that people don't see her that way. So I, I, I like appreciate that part of it as a minority. <laughs> you know mm. what I mean? Um, yeah. Later, maybe they do, but like so far, they haven't really like, you know, dug their heels in on that. I feel well, like they I'm could could dig their heels in really hard on that, and it would be awesome. Are we getting too deep too? Let's be honest. I mean, maybe, but like, isn't that what this podcast is for? <laughs> Well, <laughs> um, yeah, probably getting too deep, but like I, I would wish for that. That's- <laughs> it, it's she in the, in this particular
0: storyline with the ascension. It almost seems like a um. Well, I was gonna say like a Lisa Simpson vibe, but actually, I would oh, say Lisa yeah. Simpson would probably be like Boimler Yeah, that's, that's more the Lisa Simpson vibe. Yeah, but yeah, Tendy, I think, I, you know, if I had to be honest, I think that's a very with her storyline with that was screwing up the ascension and trying to make up for it with this person who doesn't want her help. It's almost like she takes on a responsibility and a guilt, which I, I do feel like is a, it's is something that like a, a lot of modern women do, even when we don't yes. need to, we're trying to apologize and we we do it when we shouldn't. Um, yes. So there is like part of the two. And then just to finish my thought, I, Rutherford is kind of a people pleaser, but he's also just so easygoing. Like you said, in the one episode where he's kind of looking to find another department to work in, he's kind of just worried about, you know, ruffling feathers and disappointing people. But he's, he's almost kind of like the easygoing guy who, like you said, yeah. just wants to play with the tech.
1: I love him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it it makes sense to me that he's my favorite because he's just so nice. Like, he's just really nice. And he's happy where he is like yeah. you said his world is kind of small
0: yeah he's just sort of like i just want to do this i'm pretty happy where i am
1: yeah yeah and i also love how like he ends up because of his cybernetic implant being like excellent at fighting and like really really good at the whole like training program for the security but like decides the smorgasbord oh my god that was so but but still, even though he's very good at it, it decides that that's not, that's not what he wants to do. Um, And also, like, P.S., just, like, just a side note. Love that the security chief is Bajoran. I mean, <laughs> I love that he's an enormous Bajoran that just screams things about the profits while he's punching people in the face. He, it's like-, like a general <laughs> or a football coach. Yes. It's amazing. I remember when I realized he was Bajoran, I, like, squeaked because <laughs> I was so excited. And <laughs> maybe So I'm going to
0: list, before we forget, some of the things that just in the first three or four episodes, they get talked about as yep. far as, uh, or spoofed, that would be kind of classic scenarios. First episode, yeah, yeah. Uh, some things we've definitely talked about. Crew being taken over by some sort of pandemic
1: virus. Yep.
0: Uh, it, which is funny considering we just reviewed Impulse and the yep. Halloween thing. And they're um, they're
1: basically zombies. Like we basically yes. have a zombie virus going there on. There is biting. I'm yes. sorry to report that, Larissa. I know there's biting uh, and there's also I mean yeah.
0: There's Biting, biting a beast that. on an alien planet. Yep. The let's see, some sort of talent show or <laughs> showcase in uh the, the bar. <laughs> uh trial by combat. Mm-hmm. Uh and then a poker game. Yep. Uh Ascension again. Uh a tiny point of light. A tiny point of life <laughs> light that is very threatening and quickly gets <laughs> extinguished. <Yep. laughs> um uh, uh, but also uh discovery of an old ship with a mummified crew and terraforming. Yep. So they waste no time in the beginning really getting into moments that will will kind of take you back to
1: the things you're familiar
0: with oh yeah uh, absolutely again not only star trek but other sci-fi-esque entities
1: yeah i mean even even in the um the credits opening credit sequence there's that one shot of that alien suckling on the nacelle on the cerritos (laughs) which is like basically galaxy's child and we just talked about yeah and then we talked about.
0: about we talked about the child those those are both from the paternity maternity episode where it's like of course generic
1: sci-fi light comes in yep generic Um, sci-fi light uh that one doesn't this one talks this one speaks english (laughs) uh it's just man it's it is uh as a fan um the rapid fire references are are really fun um there are a lot there are a lot of them yeah, you and
0: I kind of talked about this, and this is one of the things that I have. I just casually didn't read any, of, like, official journalistic uh, reviews.
1: Oh, yeah, I didn't either, um, yeah. But
0: I was curious just to see the fan reaction from, and, and honestly, if you go to, I mean, I looked at a couple different sources, but I know, like, Rotten Tomatoes, this doesn't have, it's, like, somewhere in the 60s for the reviewers, and I want to say somewhere in the 40s for the audience. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to get a taste of what people were saying. And actually, there was a lot of positive reviews. But one thing that did start coming up was that it's a, it's a little too rapid fire. Yeah, Which I do think is a characteristic of some of the newer animated shows, especially like yes. Rick and Morty. It's just like, bop, 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 bop. And, and there were times I thought, I'm not catching... All the humor and all the references because... It's so fucking fast. It's so fast. Yes. Um, <laughs> so it I might mean, just be my old lady ears, but that is something that I definitely noticed a few times where I, I just wanted... It, and I always notice it more so with Mariner's character. I'll be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, slow. Well, slow it down. I can't process all of this. Yeah.
1: I mean, Dan even said he feels like they sped up the audio. Um, and I think he's correct. So it is like actually faster than they recorded it yeah to and make what we're, well, we're hypothesizing yeah to make it snappier and I feel like that was a bad call <laughs> I yeah. feel like they I feel like they should not have done that Cause, because obviously even for people like us who are really big fans of Star Trek like I had to be like what did they just say did they just make a reference to this did they just make a reference to that and not really and and miss it like if somebody like like you or me misses a reference (laughs) like because they talk too fast that's not a good that's not good like they want people like us to hear all the references like or they or at least they should is what i'm saying (laughs) mike mcmahon you should want to make sure we hear all the references because we are your audience (laughs) but yeah it's 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 fucking fast
0: man and then the other question I had for you was just, um, it seemed like there were a lot of people who took this as good, fun, lighthearted satire. The way that I referenced, um, in our Tribble episode, I, I really liked the the trouble of Edward Tribble yeah. episode, and I fully knew it was like, well, let's do let's do an Office episode, but with a tar- Star Trek skin on it. Yeah, yeah. I so I I, I, I was like this looks fun um and then there were but there were definitely some people who have voiced that this is more about uh making fun and mocking star trek and star trek fans and so i thought that would be an interesting thing to bring up with you yeah do you feel like there's anything about this that is making fun of us or the franchise or again is it a loving satire
1: um i feel like i feel like what it's meant to be is a loving satire um i feel like 100 percent, absolutely that's what it's meant to be um I think that if you don't get satire, which some people don't, a lot of people actually can't get satire. Satire is, satire is a very delicate balance. So if you're watching this and you're not someone who spent a lot of their childhood watching Monty Python, you might be like, excuse me? <laughs> you know? I can. Well, so oh, that's can, so funny
0: because I was totally thinking of Monty Python when when I was thinking about these concepts. Yeah. yeah,
1: like to me, like of course they're making fun of us, and of course they're making fun of the franchise, but also they're part of the franchise and they are us. So that's that's where I feel like the the basis for this satire um, does sit pretty firmly because it's it's people talking about themselves. So like it's very obvious that the writers of this show are very, very big fans of the franchise already. If they weren't, they wouldn't know any of these references or or I think know? it's safe to
0: say that even if they aren't fans, they're just in tune with the material. Yes, yes, yes
1: and or or at with at least that the creator of the show who's who's got a lot of the um control is a big fan and that he understands the the material and that he understands the franchise pretty deeply and that it was very important to him that there there be a like a strong balance of satire on the show. So I don't I don't feel insulted by any of it. I'm laughing at it because I understand that it's satire.
0: Yeah, I personally didn't Uh, see anything or notice anything that made me feel like they were laughing at me at my expense Uh, if anything like I said I was either rolling my eyes or going oh my god Larissa and I were just talking about this so when you did have like the glowing light coming on the ship or you know something else it was it was more of a moment of it's kind of cheering because it's one of those things that oh I've, I've totally talked to my Star Trek friends or had this thought about this Star Trek thing. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. And it was more of a like here's an outlet where we can kind of highlight it and maybe laugh at a cliche or something together.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and I mean just like specific things like watching somebody actually clean the holodeck. <laughs> like like that that that's something that fans are like how gross must it get in there and like whose job is that? Like Yes, All of us yes. have thought about that. Um, I mean, I think that it's definitely very self-aware. Um, oh, yeah. And the, I mean, the question is like, is that, is it too self-aware? Mm. Um, I've, I feel like if they just slowed down the fucking dialogue, it would solve a lot of problems for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, But I I don't, I don't think it's, I think it like sort of, sort of like walks that line of maybe being too self aware every once in a while, you know. Yeah,
0: I can understand that. I think, especially with the early episodes. Uh, again, yes. I'll be curious to see what happens as I get to episode ten, or even I'm I'm guessing there's going to be another season if if they feel like um, there's a, a, a real need to kind of jam pack the Star Trek ness and kind right. of be be so like here we have this. See, look, we're being Star Trek because we're trying to get new viewers but also we want to pay attention to you classic fans that have been around for years yeah um if they'll kind of feel like they can take their breath a little bit like yeah yeah you know still still do what they're doing tone wise um yeah just just like breathe a little bit
1: absolutely uh they did cbs all access did sign up for two seasons so they will be doing season two and i i was totally feeling the same way that like I'm I'm interested to see what they do with the show um, when they when they can get to a point where they don't feel like they have to rely on so many callbacks and references to previous Trek, um, or, like or when like it's going to be its, still its own thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, and yeah. maybe
0: when they don't feel like uh, they, there's immense pressure to sell it.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like that
0: too. I, I and I can understand that the pressure to. Really make those early episodes count because you're you're trying to sell the product. I, I will say the people who um I did go online and say reviews the Star Trek fans who gave it lower ratings stopped at episode one, and I definitely recommend to the listener if you're if you're gonna give it a chance at least get through the first three episodes. Yeah. Um. But I, I watched the first episode. It was fine, but I told Keith it was nothing that I felt like I had to watch. Yeah. Um. But once we got to episode three, Keith and I looked at each other and he was like, are you up for another episode? I was like, yes. (laughs) So it started to grow on us. Yes. And it was really fun. Again, Keith's not like a huge Star Trek fan. He's a casual watcher. And then, you know, I'm definitely more the fan. So from both viewpoints, we have gotten to a groove where we're starting to enjoy it. So I would definitely say give it at least a handful of episodes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Same. Same it is funny I have have giggled I have laughed out loud at moments um I'm I'm coming to really like a lot of these characters uh so I'm I'm really excited to see what where they go again uh if they can if they can make a their own thing and and sort Mm -hmm. of get to a point where they feel like they have to stop accommodating when they can start <laughs> not being like ensentendi. in and make everyone love them and try to make everyone love them.
0: Well, no, and that's a good point too, <laughs> because it, it, I, I think they will hopefully find their pacing a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we ha- also have to remember as fans season one of TNG is bad. Like, in general, there are more bad episodes in season one there, than there are good episodes. Uh, like, when people are like, I didn't like the first episode of a new series, so I'm never going to watch it again, but I'm a fan of this whole franchise. It's like, dude, really? The Like, the, do you not remember the first season of TNG? Like, it's... And even even going into season two, it's a little iffy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's again, some...
0: we're not trying to make the excuse that, like, you know, shows these... There's plenty of shows that once... You get out of first gear, Yeah, it's stellar. Yeah, so. yeah,
1: yeah. But, like, we have to have realistic expectations here. So- well, and I
0: think it's less about expectations, and I think sometimes the people, especially like us or people who are older and we're our age watching TOS, we s- sometimes have a tendency to look at things with rose-colored glasses. Yeah, we do. TNG was great. T.O. is so great. D Space Nine is great. I'm guilty. And we kind of I'm for-
1: guilty of this. Yes. yes. I am so and we, guilty.
0: And we kind of forget that there were, um, you know, there were, yeah, there were uh, rough starts. We sort of forget sometimes that, uh, yes, as much as we like to praise TNG for its morality and the storytelling, we also have to remember there were episodes like Rascals. Yeah. <laughs> there was Captain's Holiday. Like, there was a Ferengi in a Hawaiian shirt. And Picard wearing tiny space silver bathing suit. Yep. With yep. A full hairy chest. So it, you have to remember sometimes that, that it was serving a lot more than just those high points that we always think of, like yeah. I Borg or Measure of a Man. Yeah. Um. And and so and so sometimes, you know, whether it's the show definitely being like a different tone and silly. Or, you know, again, also, it's like, there's a lot of Star Trek out there now. There's a lot of Star Trek out there. I don't even read the books or the comics. I right. feel like you've read
1: the books. I've read a few of the books, yeah. Yeah, like, there's yeah. so much. There's like, so much like, material. You don't, need, you don't need to be a fan of everything. Right, right, right. Maybe this isn't for you, and that's fine. There is plenty of Star Trek out there. Season three of Discovery. Maybe that's more your, your speed. <laughs> but like. I enjoy that this exists. I like that we are, we have entered this new uh, era of Star Trek um, with, with all of these new shows and new iterations. And I, I like to see the universe ever expanding and uh, taking on uh, new topics and, and doing its best to do the same thing that it always has done, which is to be a mirror for who we are and i think that this does if you're if you're just talking about like the basic thing that star trek does this show does that you know like it 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 holds up a mirror it it does have in every episode um some kind of uh at its core um either like a moral uh uh issue or like some kind of personal issue that that needs to be discussed and solved in some way so yeah. as far as that stuff goes it it ticks the box the star trek boxes for me although it is not competency porn so it doesn't check that box <laughs> this this in particular is not competency porn this is like 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 that second episode or which episode was it the third episode is it the buffer time yes the buffer time episode i think that's the fourth one yeah oh god like that is that was fucking great like the the whole like idea of like what happens if like this this well oiled machine is not running like a well oiled machine like what (laughs) yes if you try to
0: micromanage a whole star trek uh Uh, crew um i mean starfleet yeah Yeah, starfleet crew on a ship what would happen yeah and um yeah, I, that's one of the things that from the four, first four episodes really stood out because much like I was talking about with um, The Trouble of Edward and joking, everyone's been in this meeting yep. <laughs> yep. in the conference room. Like, everyone knows this coworker. Everyone's been in this meeting. And yeah. so even though it is still Star Trek, there's a lot of wink-wink to the audience about kind of our daily life yep. In, yep. in current times. Like, everyone's um, had a boss
1: all- or a client that's been like, you can do that job in 20 minutes. Like we've both have, cl- have clients that have been like, yeah, but you should be able to do that in like an hour. Right. And, and you're like, that's literally like a two day long job.
0: Look, if we're getting, if we're getting the job done, then don't again, it's like don't micromanage every second. So yeah. in this episode, it comes out to the captain that there is this buffer time thing that people are using and she wants to have the best ship. So she starts micromanaging, To a hellish degree where the crew is just like running around in madness trying to get all their jobs done. They're sleep deprived. They're stressed out. And then they have invading aliens and she's still telling them, all right, I don't want you to ignore your jobs. Like you got to get your jobs done while defending the ship. Oh my God. And so that was just not only, uh, that was to me like more of a spoof of real life.
1: Yes. Yes. I, I mean, the, the whole buffer time thing, I, I mean, I just haven't seen it, like, talked about in other media, the way that it's talked about on Star Trek. Like, it's, like, the way that Scotty talks about it is, it's like, oh, yeah, we all fucking do that. And, like, here's Scotty, like, freely admitting that this is a thing he does. <laughs> you know? Like, obviously. um, So, like, t- it's like it takes that concept to the next level. and and like really shows shows us like what it's like to have the worst management (laughs) and and like it's so relatable it's yeah this is a to me y'all this is a cautionary tale (laughs) Uh,
0: so i think there's moments like that's like for me a perfect scenario where it's sort of taking stuff that's very relatable to anyone in the audience uh, But putting it in the Star Trek world and seeing, like, how would it play out if it was on a ship on TNG? It was something that. Again, holding
1: up a mirror to society. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And
0: some people may not be for that. I totally acknowledge in uh, the triple, you know, the Trouble Fed word, some people may not want to see that. They want to see full Star Trek. They don't want to see Star Trek try to be The Office. They don't want to see Star Trek try to be the zombie movie, like we were talking about with Enterprise Impulse. And that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Um, so yeah, like you were saying, Larissa, like if you if you see the trailer and you don't think you're gonna like this flavor,
1: you probably won't, but that's okay. Yeah, that's totally okay. There's plenty of more. There's plenty more Star Trek. Uh and and I will say that the trailer really does uh that's you you're getting what the trailer is showing you. Um Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 straightforward. Yeah, yeah. Um they are developing a uh another animated show. For Nickelodeon. Really? Yeah. For kids. Oh. Yeah. And it was just announced that Kate Mulgrew is back on that show. <gasps> is she being Janeway? Or She's just another Janeway.
0: Character? Oh my goodness. They're bringing back
1: Janeway. For kids. I love it. Well, and um, this might
0: be more like a, when we talked about the trailer, I said I thought just from reading about it before the trailer came out. I wondered if they were going to do a younger sort of like uh, the example I gave was Teen Titans Go, Mm -hmm. which I feel like actually a lot of parents and non-parents are familiar with. Um, So maybe this entity on Nickelodeon will be more More like that of that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. I am hoping so. That sounds like fun. Um, All this new shit, man. All this new Star Trek shit.
0: I've said this before uh, when... All this new material came out. I had my first baby and now I having my second baby. So it's like, all right, going to have to wait to yep. get around to Discovery. But in the meantime, Larissa will be our Discovery person.
1: I I am happy um, to, to, I mean, there are lots of places to get information on Discovery, you guys. But if you want to get it from us, I am happy to be that person for you. <laughs> so, that, I mean, again, we just, we really just talked about the first few episodes of Lower Decks, but I mean, I think this is a good indication of what the, the tone of the show is going to continue to be. So we might talk about the last few episodes later, you know, at some point when I'm back when, from maternity yes, leave, when Lauren is back from maternity leave, which everyone should be able to take and everyone should be able to have. <laughs> <laughs> Yay.
0: Yay. Yeah. So guys, I have a, when you hear this, when this is out, I should be leaving the hospital or just have left the day before. Um, we're trying to get this one in the can, so to speak, so that uh, you know, just in case baby girl comes early, we're not in a bind. But yeah, I'll be out for probably a couple episodes. Yeah, and Larissa will have some fun guests uh, talking about fun Star Trek things. So I definitely look forward to that, and hope you guys do too.
1: But for now, let's just say good luck to Lauren. I'm so excited for you! And thank your new you, baby! Yay! All right. The U.S. Yay. I just remembered the USS Doritos. <laughs> 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 I can't, re- or, or, or like, I want to call it
0: the Sorentino or something. Yeah. And thank God they actually show it in the episode. Yeah. When I see it, I think okay, but just hearing it, I'm like, what? What was that? Well, what? Wait. wait saren saren San, santiago
1: what, what? <laughs> yeah. find us in the collective at into the on instagram at into the into the wormhole is brought to you by we own this town anson mount is everyone's daddy crush right now everyone's just like so hot for pike